0: hello doom doom bippers welcome back to the hofcast this is episode 69 for friday july 31st we're almost august people 2020 is more than halfway behind us i'm so happy (laughs) um not gonna talk too much here at the beginning because i got a great guest on the podcast but i wanted to tell you guys we uh my my wife and I we went to her sister's last night and we had to take two separate cars because um I had to do a radio show. So I was like, oh, I'll meet you there. So she took the kids in the van and then I had to take my father in law's car and meet her. So we met there and we had dinner and it was a good time. And then on the way back, I was like, Hey, our, uh my old son goes, Hey Dad, will you drive us home? I said, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll drive. Mom will drive her dad's car. And so we're driving. And I look down and I see, uh, <laughs> I'm blowing up her spot right now. Uh, I see like the family group text is lighting up my phone. And I look down and I see, oh, it's coming from the car behind me, which I know my wife is driving. And I'm, and I, so I call her and I say, hey, what are you doing stop texting and driving she goes i'm voice dictating you know these people that are never never wrong never doing anything wrong like just knock it off just focus on the road and then she goes oh look at the sunset i go i don't see a sunset she goes it's over and then there's like this pause and then she i was like where and she goes i have a flat tire I what what do you mean you have a flat tire? i mean i i have a flat tire I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I was looking at the sunset and I hit a curb. <laughs> and and then I go, you hit the, I told you to focus. She goes, you distracted me. Yeah, I was, <laughs> she hits the curb. The curb that I somehow, five seconds earlier, managed to avoid. She, now, you distracted me. Uh, not not the sunset she was looking at, not her uh, voice dictate texting, but no, you distracted me. So then we had to pull over and it's not my first time changing a tire. I haven't done it a lot, but it's a, you know, it's a new car. So she's sitting there going, okay, we got to change the tire. I said, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here we go. But we got three kids running around going, what are you doing? What's, oh yeah, the tire's flat. Just they're running out into the street. I'm like, get out of the street. Like, Hey, come on, knock it off. It's, it's late. So the sun is down. Well, it was setting obviously. So it's getting pretty dark. Uh, we're in downtown South Bend And uh, now I'm changing my father in law's tire, knowing that he's gonna be like, what the hell I give you I loan you the car and you let her drive it. I let you the car. You're not supposed to. Sarah has a bad track record when it comes to driving my wife. She uh, her first year of having a driver's license. Now she's been pretty good sense although i will say anytime she drives with me in the car we get into a fight because i'm like what are you what are you doing right now that's not the way you're supposed to drive and instead of listening to me and ingesting it and learning from my expertise <laughs> she goes don't tell me how, uh, somehow i manage somehow i manage without you I'm like yeah that's true but good god i don't know how at this pace <laughs> um uh, anyway uh Oh, what the hell was I saying? Yeah, so I were changing the tire. I don't, I don't want to. Oh, her first year of driving, she was in three. She totaled three cars her first year of driving. Okay, track record there. I think we're on my side with this one. Okay, Nick is the better driver. I think we could all say this is not a man woman thing. This is not a mansplaining thing. It is literally uh, this person versus this person. Okay, he uh, has the better track record, okay? When compared to me and her, she is uh, someone that never got drafted in the NBA, and I am uh, LeBron James. I am the Michael Jordan right there. I, I Compared to her. I'm not the best driver in the world, but comparatively, I look pretty damn good. Anyway, uh, so we're changing this tire and uh, to South Bend's credit, a guy stopped stops like, hey, do you guys need help? And then I speaking of Michael Jordan, he got the he, he died with a stop like this. So I was like, no, we're good. I'll get it. Um, and the kids are running around like crazy. And I just don't want to screw it up. OK, I don't want to screw up uh, my father in law's car more than it already is. So getting the spare out. and I'm like, let's just check. The. uh, Because you don't know exactly where to put the jack underneath. Like, not all cars have that obvious little spot. And this one was kind of not obvious, but once you get out the. Uh, owner's manual, pretty easy. So open up the owner's manual. Okay, there it is. It's this little uh, there's little symbols underneath the car where you can see. Okay, this is where you jack it up. So I do that. It's actually pretty quick once you uh once you get it going. But we put it on, and the whole time uh, we're just like, oh god, I can't believe this happened, and I'm I'm so glad it happened to her and not me. I'm so glad it wasn't me that popped the tire. Um, but it was a little excitement for a uh, for a um. Uh, what what was last night? It was Thursday night, um, so that, that <laughs> was kind of fun, and he's he's cool with it. He's like, ah, it's all right. It just I, you know, we said we'd pay for it. We'll get the we'll get the new tire taken care of. So I'm doing that today, um, but uh, I just thought it was funny how she <laughs> she tried to blame it on me. People like always try to like, well, you did this. I would have never had this happen if you hadn't have been talking to me at the same time. And I'm like, okay, come on, come on now. Um, but I don't want to get too far into it, uh, because we had a great guest on the podcast this week, uh, comedian Danny Jollis. Very funny. You can find clips of him on YouTube. He's been on Colbert. He was on the show, my crazy ex-girlfriend. Um, very funny dude. And he just approaches joke writing from a real inspiring way and we talk about it a little bit on here and uh so if you don't know who Danny is go ahead and check him out you're gonna know who he is in the future check him out follow him on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter And when you do that, you know Tweet at him or send him a little message like Hey, heard you on the Hoffcast uh, Excited to see what's going on there I, I don't have guests on that I don't think Are worth your time, so uh, Please find him on there, and he drops a couple names On there that he thinks are worthwhile to check One person, Sam J, who has a uh, Netflix special coming out, so we like to Keep everyone abreast of Kind of the underground and what's Happening in comedy and, and who to look for Because these people I, I truly believe in, and Danny is no different, so um, I hope you enjoy our conversation here. Um, we start kind of in the middle of something here, so uh, just just get your bearings right away. We talk about his podcast and and all that, so uh, enjoy my conversation with Danny Jollis, and don't forget to doom doom bip. Doom bip! What's the name of your podcast? Everything but the scores. Everything but the scores. And what's that about? It's about all
1: the stories around sports. So it's like everything. Oh. Like right now we're talking a lot about like the bubble and like the, you know, uh, what, what's going on with the Marlins, like just everything that isn't what's actually happening on the field around sports.
0: Right. That stuff. And is it just you or do you have a co-host? So I used to have a guest every week.
1: Uh-huh. Then Cor. So we were going great. We had a great system. Talk about current events, sometimes tell an old story, then Corona hit. So then I did a thing where I was like, okay, there are no sports stories. So right. I'm going to have a guest on and we're going to go back and tell an old story. Okay. And that was really fun. Then black lives matter happened. And I was like, okay, I stopped the podcast for a month. Cause I was like, I, I just don't even know what to say. Right. And then I came back solo for a while like for the last like month, basically, I've been solo because I was like, "We're just talking about such heavy subjects." I was like, "I just don't want to subject a person to it." Right. And now, last this this episode last week was my first episode where I had my girlfriend on, just okay. to like liven it up, and then starting to get guests back on. But it's been hard.
0: I you know what? The exact same thing happened to me when uh, when all the protests were happening. I think I took three weeks off from recording a podcast because I was like, "Oh, what do I say?" Even the Does first anybody- Even the first one back, I
1: was like, okay, everyone hang on tight. This is not going to be a funny episode. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's just going to get heavy. We're going to talk about Kaepernick, and I'm going to go over it one more time. We've talked about it before, but here we go again.
0: Yep, I dedicated one whole episode to it, and I said at the beginning, I said, hey, if this is the first episode you're listening to, don't. Just turn off and go to the next one. Like, if
1: you don't care about my thoughts on this, go. And this is going to be long. It's going to be annoying. Oh, it's. And I felt felt bad for my loyal listeners because they've heard me talk about like I've preached. I think two different times I've had somebody on where I've been like Nate Boyer. Everybody should know the name Nate Boyer. He's the most important part of the Kaepernick story. He's the. uh, uh Oh, you're going to
0: get mad at me now. I don't know who Nate Boyer is. It's such
1: an important part of the story. Okay. Uh, Colin Kaepernick started off sitting. He was sitting during National Anthem.
0: Right. Oh, he's the guy that said the the military is guy a, who said, yes. "Okay, yeah, you should uh, do something." Let's get
1: together. Let's figure something out. And they came together on kneeling. And I'm like, I'm like, everybody should be saying Nate Boyer. Nate Boyer should be a part of the conversation. Anybody who says it's about anything should hear about Nate Boyer. It was Nate Boyer's idea. The whole yeah. thing's cousin Nate Boyer.
0: Yeah. Okay. All, <laughs> All right. So I knew who he was. I didn't know his name. Yeah. 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 Most people don't
1: know his name. I've yelled the name so much because i'm just like because <laughs> i really think it's such an important part of the story and like really puts to bed the whole like it's about disrespecting the flag when it's like but there was specifically a guy
0: well nothing <laughs> talked to nothing shows you we can't like go through anything without politicizing it now no, nothing more so than the coronavirus like why should a disease become a political thing this is so stupid It's wild. It's wild.
1: I, I, it's the stupidest thing I've ever been, I've I've ever watched at this point. I've hit a level of like, I don't even know. I, I was my girlfriend, I've entered like a horrible place where I'm just like, second this vaccine comes out, I'm getting it. And then I don't care anymore. Like if people want to die, I guess they're just going to die. Like, I I don't know what to tell. I, we, we can't make this simpler.
0: How do you, Uh, how do you think they're going to determine who gets the vaccine first? How how do you think that's going to play out? And and that's because that's not going to be a nice thing.
1: Well, they're going to have 100 million doses out of the gate.
0: So that won't be day one, though, that once they say, OK, this is our vaccine, we're going to make it. It's not like they just crap out 100 million. It's going to be like, oh, oh, we got 50,000 and now we got 100,000.
1: Then we got not quite the contrary. Um, What they're doing right now is they are manufacturing the vaccine like it's going to go right so right now they are making 100 million doses of it of eight assuming right there's 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 two that america is heavily involved with but there's Uh three that are in phase three there's like eight that are Eight that are doing I mean,
0: so once they say this is the one that works, it's once already it's approved, there in are 100 million a
1: doses ready to go. Yes, it's in a needle. We are ready to go.
0: Do you think that we can get them to do it like, like a in a vitamin, though, like a Flintstone for people that are, uh, are shot at? Birth? I hear you.
1: you do that? I, I know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I I know. I'm just listen. I imagine doctors at this point, most of their job right now is just being like, how do we make it simpler? Okay, how so
0: <laughs> 100 million out the gate. Yeah. And so that covers roughly a third. And that's yes. America's getting a hundred million, you say?
1: That's America getting a hundred million.
0: Okay, so roughly a third. So you're gonna get the frontline people and the front rich line. I, I
1: think you'll get most people who aggressively want it. We'll get oh,
0: them. you think we're uh, a third or less of people that will actually end up taking it?
1: Oh yeah, I still think we're I still think we have a massive issue with getting half this country to get the, to take the vaccine.
0: Really? See, I think once you say listen you're not going to be able to do these things until you take it don't you think
1: They're trying to take our rights they're trying to do this how are you going to prove i did or didn't take it we're going to be right there yeah trying, you know this vaccine it seems fishy i'm not sure about the vaccine it's just gonna be a whole thing <laughs> and, and i'm not saying they won't inevitably give in but uh they will be slow so the first hundred million are gonna go i, I think, think it's gonna to going to be, be some
0: leftovers who-
1: yeah, yeah. I think there's going to be plenty of people who are like, I'm not sure. And there's gonna be people like me who are like, literally, give it to me now. Give it to me twice, just in case. Give it to me twice. I want to go. I want to be able to live my life. I'm done.
0: Yeah, yeah. But so now this is the thing that I'm confused about. And uh, part of it's because I'm stupid. But uh, also nobody's ever explained it to me. Now, when they talk about the anti-vaxxers, right, the people that say we're not getting this. And then they say, well, that's dangerous for the rest of us because- uh, typhoids making a comeback or whatever but it can't make a comeback on the people that have the vaccine right
1: yeah the problem is it's basically herd immunity so when you when you get a vaccine that's how you get herd immunity where the disease basically doesn't have anybody to spread to right so it doesn't go around and if people stop taking vaccines then it has enough people to go around like covid if not enough people take the vaccine my understanding and let me be clear I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I've <laughs> read a lot in the past sound couple You sound like
0: you know what you're talking about. I've read a lot up on this. By the way, hold on. I, I want to get right back through this, but my my guest on the podcast this week is- uh, oh, yeah, Have we started? I just thought what you're we were talking. We have started. I think that was all worthwhile for people to hear, so we're going to start it. But uh, very funny comedian, Danny Jollis, is joining us. We're talking the, the COVID Hi, vaccine. He's educating us. We'll, we'll-, we'll, get a- I, we'll do, I'll do a think. proper introduction beforehand. But, I think, okay. but the-
1: yeah. So the key to vaccines is basically if enough people had a vaccine, like if with COVID, if everybody, if if, if COVID has to spread around for it to be a real factor, if the COVID has no, nothing, nobody to spread to see the NBA bubble as a perfect example,
0: uh-huh. if it
1: either can't get in or everybody there, if nobody's it. it it doesn't work in that world. COVID doesn't exist there. COVID doesn't exist in New Zealand right now because there's just not enough COVID in there and it's not, there aren't enough places for it to hop to. Okay. So in theory, if everybody gets a vaccine, it doesn't have places to hop to, which means it can't spread as much. Right. But if people stop getting the vaccines, then all of a sudden typhoid or whatever can start spreading because nobody has the vaccine against it,
0: which means right, it just becomes a regular The people that do disease. have the vaccine are fine. We're not worried yes. about it like transforming it, and all of a sudden, well, now it's typhoid part two. And now I'm Yes, in theory.
1: I mean, it, vaccines aren't 100%. You can still get the flu vaccine and get the flu. Yes. So it's like, ideally, if everybody just did it, we kind of just don't have the problem. We don't like to test it with like, you know, just because you have a typhoid vaccine doesn't mean you want to like run around in, ty- in typhoid pool or wh- right, wherever right. typhoid lives you, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, uh, so that's my understanding is like, you know, you just vaccines are important for that reason because you want st- to... Just make it very hard for the disease to spread. If the disease can't spread, it dies, and then right. we live our lives.
0: <laughs> we can hope so. <laughs> we can hope so. When was the last time you were on a stage?
1: Uh, it was the, it was the Wednesday before everything shut down. I mean, I will say I had a great last show, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah, so my last memory was opening for Rami at the improv. It was packed. It was so fun. I felt, you know, I was, I I had a, I was on an incredible tear the last like month before okay. everything shut down. I was really heating up life wise and career wise. It was a very exciting time.
0: You are and, the person uh, I feel sorry for most out of this. Yes
1: and no. I at least built some momentum that hopefully comes back. <laughs> you know, we've tried to stay positive, but yes, I was hot. <laughs> I was feeling really hot. I, I booked something, I, I had that show with Rami. I was felt great on stage. I had this, I have a new joke that was I just felt so good about it. it. was so like important. I was so excited about it. And then I booked a show on uh, the Wednesday that was supposed to film the next week and then potentially continue from there. And I was so excited about that. Um, and then Friday, show's gone. It's when
0: common, you say show, so. you're talking about a television show?
1: Television show. Booked a yeah,
0: yeah, and you had been previously on uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, is that right?
1: Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, how was that? Yeah. It was the best. It was the best. Like uh, one of those one of those like things where you're just like you're just like, "Oh, it's not supposed to be this good." Like oh, nothing's really? Yeah, nothing's supposed to be this fun and exciting mm-hmm. and and be welcomed by a cast like that that has no business treating me like i mean it's, <laughs> it wasn't just a cast it was a cast of literally the most talented people on the planet they all were singer dancer actors like true broadway talents who right. also could film and tv act um and all of them treating me so kindly that's um, the way
0: it should be you know you oh i, it, I of can't course. remember <laughs> I can't remember who it was that said, uh, some famous Saturday Night Live alum who said, you know, they've spent the first couple of weeks just walking around the halls, just with a big smile on their face. Like, can you believe we get to do this? And then somebody's like, hey, stop acting like that. Like you're here, act like you've been here or something. And I'm like, why can't we all just enjoy what we do and be amazed that we get to do it? Well, there is an element,
1: I will say like this is and this is true for you like you know this like you've done massive stages you've uh-huh. done massive stage what's your biggest stage ever
0: uh I think like 10,000
1: 10,000 which is crazy I've done 6,000 and I'm like it was unfathomable to me yeah 10,000 it's great 10,000 is crazy and it's that thing of you want to appreciate the moment and, and it's true of like on a set of like I was like you want to appreciate the moment take in the experience mm-hmm. but also Sure. You do have to do the job, like <laughs> you do have to like lock in at a certain. Like I do see people on set being like, "Wow," and it's like, "Okay, but we're about the film, so like need, the wow needs to go down a little bit. Like we got to focus now." Um, but that oh, show man. also was like, it was also great because I had this experience where I said three lines in season one. That was it. Uh-huh. Went away. What a great! Literally was like, what a great! Well, great! Wow! Got a good credit. How exciting! And you thought at
0: that point it's over, done. Three lines done done. 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 Goodbye. Three lines, great, booked
1: a thing, you know, building my resume, wonderful. Season two, out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, I had heard this might happen because I really had a role that was in the office. I wasn't technically, I was in the world. So it was like, it's
0: possible. there's a chance. It's possible it could you- Yeah,
1: they said this could recur. And I was like, okay, great. But then didn't. And then all of a sudden, I know where they were like, you're back. And I had this, uh, I did two episodes where I had like very little. And then they gave me this like big number the like big half number, but then they were like, at the end of it, you get fired. Okay. And I was like, what a run.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What a run. The character gets fired, but we got three more episodes. We got a little half song. Incredible. And then it became a bit on the show where I got fired a bunch. Okay. I constantly end episodes fired. But every time as an, I, truly, I would be like, I think that's the last time I'm on this set. It's
0: probably the last time I can get fired. Yeah.
1: So I, I took it in like 10 different times being like, what an amazing experience. That's and a then good it was way like, to write it. It was really great. It really made me appreciate it because I kept thinking it was over.
0: Yeah. You're like for... Brett Favre, retiring <laughs> yeah, and coming
1: back and retiring. I kept walking up back. that set being like good seeing y'all what a treat you know thank you and it was like next week like how are you can you believe
0: it (laughs) you give me like 10 hugs last week saying i'll miss you oh my
1: gosh and then they finally got rid of the firing bit i think just solely because it was taking a toll on me as a human they saw it was hurting me (laughs) they were like this kid's gonna lose his mind if we keep firing him
0: he can't take it anymore he can't take it he's losing it well that's great But it was the
1: best yeah, That's no, great. I really wish I I really wish i had more like interesting complaining stuff to say about that show. No, no, but I like the good I don't. stuff.
0: I like yeah. the good stuff. That's what this is about, this podcast. You know, we can complain too. We can do our fair share of that. That's funny. For sure. But uh I like I like hearing the positive stories. Oh yeah, I've had a I mean, I I've really
1: had a on the whole, I've been very lucky. I've worked with a lot of really great people out here. Yeah. I've had like very nice positive experiences most comics i'm not a drama guy so most comics don't include me in drama i'm just never involved
0: yeah that's a good place to be
1: it's great but it's always like a thing of like people tell me stuff is going on and i'm like i had no clue those two down really right right it seems so nice to me what did they don't like each other why what happened no one tells me
0: i mean i have people i don't like but there's never any drama i just
1: swallow those feelings well sure i think that's that's how i always am too where i'm like I don't like this person, but like, but even like, I, is there a few comics who I don't like as humans? It's like, there's people who I'm like, oh, they run the light every time. Like stuff like that. Okay. is like my That's more creep. annoying
0: to you than like a bad guy.
1: Well, let's define bad guy. Bad guy is <laughs> in uh, uh, evil, terrible. Of course not. Okay. Bad guy is in like, oh, this guy just like talks about nothing for an hour yeah it's just like oh backstage he's just gonna complain or whatever right, right yeah i'd rather i can deal with a with a personality that i disagree with as long as they're like a good human yeah i can yeah, deal yeah. with a personality over running a light if you run a light on me twice oh two times I that's, the, that's the limit well everybody gets one
0: what Okay, so for those of you that are listening that don 't know what running the light is when you 're on stage and they give you the light usually means wrap it up here you go. your time's over uh-huh. and um, yep. and keep there in are mind comics, ahead of
1: time keep in mind ahead of time you're told exactly how much time you 're supposed to. Do. The light is never a shock yeah,
0: you get ten minutes very rarely every minutes, now whatever, and then every now
1: and then you get a shock light, but for the most part, you know the light's coming
0: yeah yeah and uh, and there are some comics that have built a reputation of going well beyond their allotted time and we call that running the light and we don't like it and if you do it twice to danny Jones, he's not a fan i just
1: like what what are we doing what are we doing do we not care do we not care about our fellow our fellow humans
0: yeah yeah that's that's the thing i never understood is i'll do certain shows in town and i say it like they're still actively going on but i have a few shows that i would do almost every week because i knew the guy running it and he would just throw me on when I showed up and he was very nice to me. And, um, and it was always like, you always got eight to 10 minutes, but I only used that show to do new stuff. That's all I did. I was not going to do any new jo- or any old jokes. there, just new. Sometimes I only had five minutes and I said, Hey, I'm going to duck out of there before my time. So I never Good understood the guys that would sit there and like, just ponder for three minutes and waste time. Like I-
1: oh I mean it's it's mind-blowing to me I never even like have really the confidence to do like new 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 stuff on stage I still like I still did I still do did open mics still do open mics I was I love open mics I think open mics are a great tool I never understood I think there's a thing when you get a little bit of success in comedy where it's like I don't do open mics anymore I'm not one of those I was very much like I like them. So I always would open mic a joke a couple times before I even did it on a show that I felt safe doing. I just was so nervous about it.
0: Well, that's what these shows are, more or less. They're like a glorified (laughs) booked open mic that I wouldn't do it on anything I was getting paid.
1: Yeah. I I was always so nervous. Like that first time I would say a joke in front of a real crowd, I'd be like, I'd be so nervous.
0: How long have you been doing stand up comedy?
1: (sighs) Almost a decade now coming up on 10 and
0: and so you still get nervous about a new joke
1: yeah i don't like the feeling of i don't like the feeling of struggling it doesn't make me feel i i am somebody who is a well nobody i
0: don't think anybody likes that feeling
1: i think there are comics who really don't seem to care there are comics i see who are like i tell my truth and like you know these these and i respect the hell out of comics like this who are just like i'm gonna go up there i'm gonna tell exactly what i'm gonna say this crowd doesn't like it they can deal with it right and it tends to work for them, you know, they and and I know there are comics who are like, I don't you know, if I go into this type of room, I'm doing what I do. And I am somebody who's always been a I want to make I want to do the best I can. Yeah. And I want to succeed. And uh, a lot of times that means like, yeah, I get nervous about new jokes because it's just so it's just uh, just pulling the ripcord on a new joke just feels so sad.
0: Okay, so let's let us explore this a little bit then because uh, when I say I go up with a new joke, I have like a skull, just a fraction of an idea and a few punchlines. It's barely, I haven't taken the time to really work with it. I, I will do that with a new joke just to see if it has any resonance with people. And if it doesn't, then I go back and I figure out why it didn't. But that's how I do all mine. I never spend like an hour on a brand new joke before I say it on stage. Oh, I do. Oh, I spent a lot of time. It's a little more precious. I can understand them being nervous. I also,
1: and you know, my comedy, my comedy tends to have these long,
0: I tend sure. to sit
1: in a place for a while. Right. So as a result, it's like, you really got to sit there. I don't know. I just get very into like, I don't like just going up there with like a quick premise. Every now and then there's one that I'll just okay. be like, just say that. That's, you know, that's a punchline. And it's that quick. But for the most part, if I'm on stage saying it, I've thought it through pretty hard.
0: Was it always like that for you or did you start out doing shorter bits?
1: Oh no, I started off doing (laughs) I started off doing what I would describe as nothing. And then I moved to very quick jokes. You know, fast bits and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And then I just sort of naturally, you know, it's how you do a comedy where like you just kind of slowly start. The only way to find your voice is to just do a bunch of voices you thought were you and you realize they aren't. And you know, slowly I started like so I started in New York. And so in New York it's all punch set up, punchline, set up, punchline, set up, punchline. Right, and at a certain yeah. point, it they're very set up, punchline, set up, punchline, which was great for me because I came from a theatrical background. Okay. So it really broke a lot of my like actory shit that I was probably <laughs> doing out of the gates. Um, they broke that of me, but then I started like, oh, I like staying it, you know, and I like, and I like callbacks, you know, I also did sketch. So I was like, oh, if you can do a callback, that's so exciting. And I started like doing that. And all of a sudden I started doing these longer rants. And then I had my first like long rant bit. And I remember being like, that's what I do.
0: That's, that's where you felt. That's,
1: at home. that's what I do. That felt, that was like, the, I remember my first rant bit being like, oh, I don't know any, I, that felt so uniquely me and not like another comic. I was just impersonating, which is basically what you do the first Yes. A couple of years. You're just impersonating yeah. comics. you like, being like, is that
0: kind of how I talk?
1: And then you're like, no, nah, that's not how I talk.
0: Yeah, certainly there are tapes of me <laughs> early on where I'm raising my voice like Seinfeld. Oh, <laughs> you <and> me both. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you say theatrical background, what does that mean? So I was a, uh,
1: I went to, I was very into acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to NYU for theater. Okay so i had a theater i was in new york cuz i was getting a theater degree are you from new york no i'm from virginia
0: virginia where in virginia
1: fairfax county
0: fairfax county why that's a southern thing to say the county <laughs> like no i mean i don't lives know lives in counties
1: well, it's even worse than saying, like, McLean. It's like, <laughs> I have to go with the, at least the county, there's a chance somebody knows it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not a big place.
0: Small town, Virginia. Well, small,
1: small town, not the smallest. I, I've always said, like, I came from a town that, like, just isn't any of the things you want it to be if you're telling a story. Okay. It's like, it's like I came from a small town. It's like, eh, it wasn't, like, small town. That's, not, that's unfair to put on it. You're like, suburban. It's like. Yeah, it was a little bit more spread out than suburban, you know, it's like, it's like, it just was, it was just like a little bit like, like we had horse farms, but like, you could get places. Okay. You know, you, you could drive to DC pretty quick, pretty easily.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So then you went to NYU for acting and then the at what point did acting. you start the comedy?
1: I started comedy. So I was, I was at NYU. I started interning at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater.
0: Now closed. So I was, Is that right? Close?
1: I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen with it. The New York one is closed.
0: That's what I heard. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. New York is dead. R.I.P. But I cleaned the shit out of those toilets. Uh, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Sure. Oh, good.
0: I don't because I'm 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 a good person. But you you go right for it. I'm just well, kidding. Well, I curse. I'm, I little I'm bit. a terrible
1: human. I curse a little I, bit. It's,
0: it's a PG-13 podcast. But you, I,
1: I know. Yeah, I know. You're very. I know you're you're clean. You're good at that. I, I had know. Jimmy Schubert on the podcast. Okay. Sure. So, okay. They, so I'm, I'm My not audience breaking any is not
0: turning off the radio. They may have to like put on their headphones or something.
1: I promise everyone I'll try to keep it down. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I went there, I started, so I did, I'd done stand-ups 16 was the first time I ever attempted stand standup. Holy so I always was nice. like two, I would say two to five times a year I would do stand-up. I'd be like, I hate this. And I'd stop. But then I did improv I did I started doing improv. Then I got into Hammercats NYU, which was the sketch group there. I okay. started doing sketch comedy. And then I started doing stand up for real last. And was started starting to flirt with it more and more, starting to get more into it, but still doing the other two and was further along with the other two because I've been doing them longer. Right. And then at a certain point and then uh I right as I was graduating. And this is a fun story. Right. As I was graduating. So when you graduate with a theater degree, you very quickly realize that Hollywood doesn't work. It doesn't really have like a system. It's like, right. you can't just be like, graduated.
0: Can I come Yeah, in? You need a,
1: You basically very quickly. It was like, oh, if you don't have a connection, you can't audition. And if you can't audition, you can't act. Right. So it was like, I graduated. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to work. Like, there is just no way to work in this town. And uh, and I just was like, oh, no, what am I gonna do? I started making, you know, we were doing I was starting to do online sketches and stuff. And then uh, my friend was like, hey, they were giving away free tickets to this comedy special taping at uh, the, the NYU theater. Do you want to go? Okay. And I was like, sure. Who isn't? She's like, it's this guy. I've never heard of him. He was in Soul Plane and uh, and he was in 40 year old Virgin. And I was like, OK, we go. And I was. Third row for Kevin Hart's first special.
0: Holy smokes! And I
1: was watching him on stage, grown little man. And I just remember watching him being like, "I don't know if this guy has connections. Yeah. I don't know who this guy knows, but he's about to get to audition." That is undeniable. What I'm watching. Wow. And I just remember being like, "Yeah, that's the only way I'm going to break through is if I figure out another skill set." And I like basically quit improv the next day, and then pretty quickly after, like, turned down my and just started doing stand up. Like, and that was it. And then I was off to races.
0: What a great way, way to realize that. Just look at that and say, yeah, somebody's seeing that.
1: Yeah, you're just watching Kevin Hart just murder on that stage. You're just like, okay, I, mean, I don't know who the connections are here, but that clearly. So you're clearly. in the
0: audience for uh, the grown little man?
1: You got to look hard, but if you look hard enough, you can kind of see me, but I'm there. I was there.
0: You've gone through and paused it and been like, that's me. That's my shoulder.
1: I've tried to look for it. Yeah, I, you don't really get to see me, but he was just, but he was so good. He was okay. so funny. Yeah, he still is so funny, but he was very funny that night.
0: It's weird. I mean, he's in everything now, but you can go back and like sometimes I'll be watching an old comedy and then he just pops up and I'm like, I didn't even realize he was in this.
1: Oh, he was. I mean, he was. I mean, at that point, he was in four year old virgin. I mean, it was one of these things where my friend was like, hey, he's done this, this, this. I was like, that kind of sounds familiar. Like, I, I guess. But then you just saw him do stand up. and You're like,
0: yeah. And now he's a Mosley. Clearly. That's so funny. It could have been somebody that was just mediocre, like especially when oh. they were giving away tickets to oh. a <laughs> special. It could have been somebody so mediocre. You could have watched it and it would change the whole trajectory. of Oh, like, and guess-
1: let's be clear. The story has grown as Kevin Hart has grown. Because at first it was like, oh, I saw this thing, kind of made me realize that it like, didn't even. And then like, very slowly over time it was like, as Kevin Hart became the biggest star on the planet, me being yeah. like, that was this, that was the thing I went to. <laughs> it was him. He's
0: really come come through on my prediction. Wow, that's incredible. The uh the first time I ever saw stand up was in DC. First time I ever saw it live with my own eyes was in DC at the Improv and my family was on vacation. I was in high school where my family was on vacation and everybody got to pick one thing they wanted to do and it was my night to pick. I said I want to go to see stand up comedy and we we're lucky it was like it must have been like a Sunday or something and they had a comic hypnotist Otherwise, I don't know if I don't know if they would have let me in. I think I was only 16. When yeah, I was going to say, how'd you get in? Um, I remember
1: trying to see Brian Regan as a kid and getting rejected.
0: I remember we went because my little sister could go too. She's two years younger than me. Can you hear the piano upstairs happening? I can't. I said but, that. I can't. You cannot hear you, that? Good. No, okay. I cannot hear it.
1: I can clearly no, I hear one of up. my
0: kids just taking their finger across the keys. And it's right above me <laughs> right now. I mean... Um, <laughs> All right. Well, I guess if you can't hear it, that's good. I can <laughs> I can clearly hear it. But Listen, you got
1: a little background music. It's good.
0: It's the first time I ever saw a stand-up comedy was there, and I've always wanted to perform at the DC Improv. I even hit them Incredible. up, I think, in like January, because I have got certain clubs that I'm like, I, I gotta, I got to do that club. And so in uh-huh. January was the first time I ever did Comedy Works in Denver, which was <sighs> amazing. Amazing. And uh, then I was like, all right, let's keep crossing these off the old bucket list. And I, so I was like, tell my manager, I want to do DC Improv. <laughs> she hit him up, but that was right before everything fell apart.
1: It's so sad how like, because I was like DC Improv. It's so funny how like the things that used to make clubs great are now what's like a huge concern. Because at the time I was like, man, I've done DC Improv. And the thing about DC Improv that's so special is when you're on stage, I'm a 5'8 on a good day young man and I can hit the ceiling. You can touch the hands. ceiling? It's, it's so tight on, it's so Like the Venice low, Underground,
0: you just reach up and touch yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it's just so tight and I just was like, it's such a good room. Which sadly now makes it a test for the days, but at the
0: time, was so cool. Well, if they survive, I've got to do it I gotta go, even if it's just like on amateur night or what. I have to go do that yeah. stage because I just like made a in, in my mind that's the first place I thought I gotta do this stage.
1: That's so funny. Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, that's where I grew up was in that area, but I never got to go to DC Improv until I was like an adult. Yeah. But we we saw Brian. Brian, I loved Brian Regan as a kid, and so I saw Brian Regan at like a community center, okay. like big big stage, uh, like things like that. But that was it. Yeah, you have to go to like it's hard as a kid. Hard as a kid to see stand-up. They really make it tough on
0: you. Well, that's why when I hear these guys that started when they were like – like you hear the Dave Chappelle started when he was whatever he was, 13, 16. And even yeah. you, you said you did it a couple times at like. Yeah, but I was like basically sneaking
1: in. in. I mean, because oh, it was open mics, and I was doing open mics. Sure. You know, I was just like – so I remember I did uh, this place called Wise Acres, which was in the bottom of a, a hotel in Tyson's Corner. I mean, it was just like a terrible. It was like okay. looking back at it, I'm like, oh, I basically experienced the worst version of an open mic. Mm-hmm. But I remember loving it. I mean, I thought it was so cool. I was allowed there.
0: Right, right. It but it was so felt- scary.
1: But I also, they were just such like, you know, stand ups very scary when you're not a part of it. Once you're in it, you realize everybody's like, for the most part very very sweet Mm -hmm. and very just driven but from the, you know i totally get that feeling young comics have of like from the outside it seems incredibly closed off and intimidating i remember feeling that way being like oh this is not
0: this is not good now i may have to cut this part of the podcast out but uh i remember the last show that you and i did together was at that uh dave williamson brewery show i forget what oh yeah Mm -hmm. and i remember we were standing back and i watched you go on stage and i'm wondering i'm curious if this is the joke that you were talking about that you said you were really excited about that was really coming together um and i can't even remember the subject matter but i remember sitting back there going man he has connected all of these things that are not connected but you took this parallel and you just assimilated it to something completely different i forget what was it you know what I'm talking I'm sh- about? That's why we might have to cut it because I'm just rambling. Now. Well, no, I'm trying to remember because I remember what was I
1: doing at his show? I was I remember I did that show specifically because I was trying to get something on tape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, you had the camera.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had a camera and it was like the worst. It just like that night in that room didn't work. I the show. I don't know what joke I was doing there. I don't think it was this joke. The joke I was very excited about is about a, a show your work joke about, uh, that's what connecting. it was. It was the was show it? Your right, showing your work. Okay. Yes. Yes.
0: And I remember watching that right there and I wasn't sure how long you had been developing it. This may have been, was this February or something like that?
1: February March. That's when I was trying to get it on TV. I was desperately trying to get it on TV right before all this happened. Cause I was like, this I joke mean, is please. I remember seeing got that joke and
0: thinking yeah. that joke is a great one for television, and it just works and it's poignant right now. But then yep. I was at the same time I was in awe. You know, when you see somebody do a great joke that you're like, oh, try to kind of reverse engineer how did they get there? <laughs> and I remember just sitting back there in the back of the room going, how did he know to put it that way? Well,
1: I'll, well, first off, let's start with a, a thing which is uh, no TV would take it. Uh, could not get a Booker to take that joke to save my life
0: what would they, they say were, about
1: it? we're not touching politics really very hard to do politics and stand up right now because so much of the monologue is about it's about politics okay
0: okay i'll accept that
1: i mean it's sure it's like one of these things you hear and you're like all right i get it but also like bummer
0: but also isn't the comedian the guy that you want touching that stuff
1: yeah. I mean, particularly, you know, we didn't, you know, the monologues, you wrote them that day, not in like a put down way. And like a, you know, I've, I was working, I've been working on that joke for months before you saw it and right. had a really like, so I, I wish they'd let me do it, but I couldn't get that joke on TV. Now I don't know how I'm ever going to get it on anything. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, the the, the structure, I mean, it's hard to talk about a joke that nobody can see. Right. Uh, I, so no, I feel, that's
0: why I kind of I yeah, was hesitant
1: I, to bring it up. I wanna, I wanna explain it, but I'm also like, yeah, the crowd's not gonna know what I'm talking about. It's gonna be very. I wish difficult.
0: I could see, like, when when I record on here, I can see and write down a time and say, okay, I'll take that part out. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, we'll just leave this in. It's a great joke. Is it anywhere where people can see it, or, or do no. you have to record it for an album or something? We,
1: so I have a special coming out, but it's not there. Soon, but it's not in it. It was it's new. Not in it was it. past. It was after the special.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that special is going to be worth seeing anyway because you're very funny regardless. Thank you, you so much. But, one... but it was
1: still, ex- you know, it's like pre-COVID, I was like, this is the joke that's the cornerstone of the next special. Like, this yeah. is the joke that's gonna like, you know, how exciting to put out a special and have a new joke come out simultaneously that isn't even in the special that I think is even better than anything in that special. Right. And then uh, now it's uh, just a joke I occasionally say on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it it stinks. I was supposed to record a new album in May at uh, the Skyline in Appleton, Wisconsin, which I, I, I like that club. I think it's I think it's great. There's something I've never done it. It's oddly shaped and the bathrooms are right next to the stage, which is odd. Classics. But I've never yep. had a bad show there. They just pack them in and they just a, it's a good laughing crowd. You know, anything oh, love. Wisconsin. I
1: love clubs. I love clubs where where they just they're so well run that they're like, we'll get people here. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Like you, you draw, like help us out. But like, we'll get people in these seats.
0: Yeah. That's and, and, it and it's should a, be,
1: it is a hundred percent. Every time I hear about these like draw plays, we're like, well, we need people to draw and nobody will come. And it's like, well, shouldn't you have built some brand loyalty in this past couple of years? I mean, the whole reason people keep coming back to that club is because they just have great comics. Yes. The whole beauty of a comedy club to me, and it's the reason why, like, when this is all over, I will say, because I used to end every podcast saying, go see live comedy. Just go yeah. see live stand-up comedy. Don't worry about seeing me. Just see any live stand-up comedy. Once you go to a comedy club and you have a great time, you can go back the next weekend. It's a new show every weekend. Right. It's a different comic. You can go every single weekend to a comedy club, have a great time every weekend, and it'll be a year, at least six months, before you have a show that might repeat
0: yeah i i used to say you know i think everybody if you got a comedy club in your town you should be forced to go three times a year just just three once every four months just go and don't don't worry about who it is like go see your favorite too and support people that you like but but just go see the random person because I, i i sometimes wonder about those clubs that have the the draws quote unquote draws uh but they're not necessarily great comedians you know like the people that maybe they've seen on tv or in movies and then they go thinking oh this is uh oh my internet connection's unstable um you know they go did you freeze did you hear am i still here i was for i was I'm still here, but I'm good. I've okay. <laughs> but then people say, you know, those are the names they're going to recognize when they go to the website. Okay, July fifteenth is going to be this guy. Oh yeah, I've heard of him. And then they go to that show, and then they go, oh, stand up comedy is not good. And then exactly. Oh
1: again. That's the whole problem. It's the thing I talk about a lot with clubs because I've, I've opened for, you've opened, you opened for actual. I've opened for people that are not really stand-up comics quite a bunch.
0: I've done that a little bit too. And and it's and it's tough because
1: you're basically saving them. A couple yes. times I've had to really save a performer. And at the end, the place will be like, this was good. And I was like, hey, if I'm not here, nobody ever comes back to your establishment. This is
0: brutal, yes.
1: Yeah. And by the way, they still might not because I couldn't save the entire show because it wasn't my show. <laughs> I got paid – 300 bucks. And I carried this thing.
0: I did a club a few years ago where the, uh, I was, I was the middle and by the end of the weekend, they had me doing like 43 minutes. Cause the other uh, guy just couldn't fill it. <laughs> He's like, Oh, hey, can you do more? Oh, uh,
1: I mean, I, it's, I've had some wild, just like, okay. Well, I, I mean, yeah. Like after the first show being like, how do you think this is going to work? now <laughs> like how do I, like this can't you can't put these people up there it's mind-blowing to me it's mind blowing to me and then it became a real business model particularly in the past year of like instagram people these people doing stand-up comedy and I, and it's tough because on one hand i will say like look props to these people they draw
0: sure and the club is Unden- big money
1: undeniable but man some of them you're just watching being like this is bad mm-hmm. and like it's great because I'll steal their fans and I'm always happy to That's do that
0: the way I look at it I'm like <laughs> I'm about to get all these people on board oh and to be clear I'm
1: going to save this sh- I mean this is where it comes back to my like <laughs> Danny has to I'm going to I will do everything in my power to save this show Yeah, I will do everything I can and I've done it almost every time very rarely I don't think I've ever been involved in a show that truly ended. In a ended in like a we're storming out. Uh-huh. We've had some close calls. <laughs> but <laughs> but I've but it's man, it's tough. So it's like I'm gonna earn my money. First off, they're gonna be thanked. Yes. I I will and by golly gee, I will pick up some new fans tonight.
0: That is uh, like both a gift and a curse to sit there and say like, and you talked about it a little bit earlier. Some comics are like, I'm going to go up, I'm going to do my thing, whatever I want to do, and if they don't like it, screw them. I don't have that in me. I, of course, I would rather do the jokes that I love. Yeah. Uh, but if something's not working, I abandon it to make the night work. If people pay me, I got to make the night work for them.
1: And it's also like, you know, you can do your like, I, I, you know, like. I had a joke. This it was the the bro joke. I refer to it. It's the one I did. But uh, it was a joke that was about transgender rights. Uh huh. And I did that joke everywhere, True. everywhere across the country, in places where I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt nobody in that crowd wanted to hear it. In places,
0: but where I they, didn't. make <laughs> yeah. see where they're from by
1: the county. Yeah, yeah. Where we know the county were in. <laughs> and I will tell you this. I didn't open with it. I built trust. I established, you know, and then I did the joke. Once I had their trust, once I felt that they were going to listen and not judge, I never had a problem with it. You can do what you want to do if you're just in any way mindful of the crowd. Just being like, hey, they're not going to want out of the gates. Right. Don't you don't need to hit them over the head with it. You don't need to say you know if you know obviously when I because it's a classic you know I like to do a little thing where I kind of like like to kind of trick you into thinking a jokes about one thing and then it's about something way heavier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the moment where I revealed what it was about, I knew it was not going to be a you know it's not the applause break I get in L.A. There's going to be a a silence. I didn't attack them for that silence. I was like, I get it. Hang on, listen, and they did. Always, always listened.
0: You you kind of hinted on uh, you know the difference in in location depends like you know an LA audience uh, where you get the applause break on something probably like your uh, transgender rights joke probably you know gets a a much much more of a round of applause there. I mean, other people laugh at they can see the humor in it and they're they're going to enjoy the joke. But yeah, it's it's an LA is going to reach. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you're oh. not preach in certain places, oh, y- yas comedy, I call it <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it when occasionally I'll be you know on the road for months at a time and sure. and you know develop something, and I go, I wonder how this is going to do in Los Angeles because it's a little bit askew from what I know they're going to be cheering. It's almost going to be the opposite of what you're talking about. Like, it's a little bit more Midwestern mindset, which that's uh-huh. where I'm from. That's, you know, I, I feel like I fit all right into both categories. But I'm going to say some things in both places where people are going to be like, hey, what? Same, same here. Yep. And I, I always wonder about these certain jokes. And then I come to Los Angeles and if it works in Los Angeles like it did there, I'm like, this is a great joke. Now I feel good okay. about this thing. Uh, if it doesn't work, I kinda go, okay, is this does this stink of the road? And I have to kind of give it the eyeball test.
1: I will say that I I have found that. And this is a gross generalization. This is and I super gross. For anyone? <laughs> but I will say this. I have had a much easier time saying liberal things to conservative crowds than the slightest bit of non-liberal thing to a liberal crowd. Okay, yeah. I have found that for the most part, conservative areas, they'll listen. They're not going to agree, but sure. they will listen. They'll take the hit. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can hit them on a, I don't agree, and they'll kind of take it. Right. In LA, man, you have to be so, if you, if they think you're attacking in any way, mm-hmm. their way of thinking, you, it's really hard. You really have to like, and and I'm always like, I started anticipating in the, in the, uh, one of my favorite parts of the show your work joke is me. When I do it in LA, there's always an applause break at one point, And I go, I could be lying. And I, and I, and I built it around knowing every time I say, I believe this thing, they're going to applaud. And then me being like, why are you cl- applauding right now? I right. could be lying. I'm in LA. I'm holding a microphone. You don't think I know what you guys wanted to hear. And it hit it got such a fun reaction when I was doing it because people were just like, what? Wait, right. what? <laughs> like, like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like they thought, like they just did it because that's what they, you know, they just, it's you know, and then when I'm like, don't do that. Right. You know, you guys keep applauding people and then we find out years later they're monsters. Like, don't just trust me because <laughs> I'm in LA. You don't think I know where I am. Like, wait, ask me. And that's where like the joke came from but it was partially based around like that thing of like this
0: does that ever make it weird then moving forward do they ever get like do they get over it every time when you say that or are there times yeah. when they're like now we're not I, I, I
1: bought it with because like a little jikes direct- yeah, well I do like a little like couldn't I just be a politician where I where I say it on stage, grab walk off stage, grab my rich friend, I'm like, what do we really think? That always gets like a little laugh, kinda ha of, ha okay, he's he's joking. And then but then there's just a little bit of the truth is there's a little bit of a hue over it of what's he doing, what is this, what is this going, what is he chewing? And then when I do the the first beat where I really say, you know, this is where, and I go. There's like a bad thing. I go now, 2006, and that's like, and I go back to the board, and I really reveal what the joke is at that point. Right. That always there's a release because they sort of felt attacked, and then they're going, "Oh, first off, he's so much more going after himself, and then secondly, like, oh, he's doing a thing. This is good." And they sort of, but it's nice. It's almost like you build a little tension. Sure. I I, I have found I will say this as much as I just like poo pooed L.A. crowds. I will also say. 99 percent of the time, if you just when somebody is offended, if you just go, if you just go, hey, they're offended. It's okay. Just let me finish the sentence. If they, if, you just have to at some point finish the sentence. Like, that's the problem with online. I think is that's why jokes that work in person don't work. Uh, they just cut the part to that one section, and you forget the buildup and the, the. And it's like, always oh, it? It's like I that moment they don't like, but two sentences later, they're back on board. That's all. It's we're all working together. They'll listen to you. Yeah. Yeah, it works it.
0: a lot of times in a comedy club setting. And although the, there are times when the people get a buzzword and then they just can't get over the hump.
1: I just think a lot of times when people get hear that buzzword and they can't get over the hump, I think a lot of times I'm just like, I'll just do like a hang on and then I'm good. What's going on you, over there?
0: What, I'm just going to open this door because <laughs> my internet connection is just a little bit sketchy. Uh, I'm just going to try and, uh, does the door prevent Wi-Fi from coming through? I don't think that's how it works, I, but I like that that's where your head is. It has to, though, because in my bathroom in Los Angeles, which all is is a door, when I shut that door, boom, nothing. But if, I, if me, I've got the door open. Let me open, say
1: this. Let me say this. I don't know. Okay. I don't know the I do not know. I don't know the science. I can't imagine doors are an issue.
0: Do you think we're ever going to pay for all these signals that are going through our heads and all around our bodies, the Bluetooth, the Wi-Fi?
1: Not like most people do. I'm a big conspiracy theory guy, but I, I that stuff, I don't worry about that as much as the, the tracking stuff.
0: Oh, that, tracking, that's not even a conspiracy us. theory. That is 100% happening. Right. But
1: how they'll use that, that that I listening to us, like that stuff I'm much more on board for. As far as the raise, I just think you'd have – the thing is the people who work in the center of those places would be having such – I, I, I just have yet to see like real. I have yet to see a real conclusive anything.
0: Well, yeah, no. Other than my like, other than
1: other than my mom being like, I swear to God, if I hold the phone for too long, my hands start shaking.
0: That's really the, all. That's all. That's all the cell proof phones, I got. I think are very likely going to be the cigarettes of our generation, <laughs> and they're going to be like, why? Why is Grandpa still holding that up to his ear? Doesn't he know that? And we're going to be like, I'm addicted. I need it. Wow. It's I think an think interesting that's prediction. I think Interesting. That's are you conspiracy?
1: Are you I, a conspiracy theory guy?
0: No, I am not, and I don't think. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I I don't trust the government, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist.
1: <laughs> sure. At this point, I think not trusting the government has just become a quid
0: pro quo. Well, that is that how you're supposed to pronounce that, or did you I just think say a, it funny? No,
1: quid quid pro quo. Says that
0: uh, way. What did you just do? That's <laughs> i
1: just just messing with you. I'm goofing with Well, I with thought
0: you. with your theater acting, you had something.
1: You're like, actually,
0: it's theater. <laughs> why, why is theater sometimes spelled with an R-E at the end? I don't know. Because the theater people like to think
1: they're better than others.
0: Is that like it's the Queen's to...
1: English? I think so. I think it's like literally like a Queen's English thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. So There's we, no
1: good cool. reason. Theater people might tag it. I spent some time around some theater people. They can be pretty difficult at
0: times. Yeah. I, Which on again, my website is what one made... time, I had theater ER, and somebody, like, wrote to me this mean thing, like, if you have any respect for that place, you will change it.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let me tell you. Yeah, I get it. That's, again, what made Crazy Act so crazy was, was all these theater people who were awesome. Yeah. <laughs> who were, like, so cool to be around.
0: Have you ever seen the movie Lemony Snicket, Jim Carrey's?
1: I or sure Batman. have.
0: It took me a, a while to realize that that's what he and his little cronies were. They were a pack of theater nerds, and that's what they were doing. That's And it made the movie so much more enjoyable for me when I realized that all this overacting was because he was in this acting group. What a hidden gem that movie is. Do you think so? I yes. like it, but I question I think, my, <laughs> my taste I think it. I.
1: No, I think that I feel the same. I've, I think he is so funny in that movie. I think it is like one of the funniest, like he is anytime you can let Jim Carrey just be crazy mm-hmm. in like a, in an understandable way, it's just like perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. so fun. That movie is such a good time because of those characters. He does like five
0: different characters. It's like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. I just watched with my kids. I watched Sonic. The other day and it's i haven't I mean, seen it's a it good great it's fine mm-hmm. it's not great but he's great in it like he plays he's... the bad guy and he does what we loved jim carrey for in the 90s
1: you if you release the jim carrey he will deliver
0: he has lost it a little bit though huh i oh, I, I love jim carrey I, I i
1: will i i will, uh, i, I, I will... I'll talk about it off podcast, off, off podcast, off podcast. <laughs> off podcast. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. We'll, we'll He's to a
1: very, no, I will say this. I, I know that he is a very nice guy who I think is very intense in his art. Sure. And uh, I think that is, I think the majority of the things I've, I will say, I haven't heard a lot of, without going into some of the things I've heard, I will say that when he is not doing his art, I've never yeah. heard anything negative about him
0: when he's seems not
1: doing his art like when he's not acting or creating or in some way like i think he's a very intense performer and sure. i think sometimes that leads to things uh well yeah that that I've heard andy
0: about. kaufman documentary alone yeah i mean andy kaufman documentary is wild everybody
1: but i've never heard anything about him off
0: okay you yeah know, like no. i think
1: he's a genuinely good human who i think is just very intense and has a method i went to the i i studied the method you, um, method acting Method acting. Okay. And That's what you were
0: into at NYU?
1: Yeah, but method acting isn't supposed to do that. You're not supposed to lose yourself in a per... Like, it's not... I did, at least the way I was taught It's it. not that extreme. You're not supposed... Yeah, no, you're not supposed to be eating dog piss because your character once did it. It's like, I, I don't understand where these, where that comes from in an actor, and I don't understand how it's... Because po- also acting is so technical when you actually do it. Right. Like, have you acted for film and TV at all? Uh-huh. Yeah, so you know it's like you're doing scenes where it's like you're walking, you have to hit, you have to sit in this exact spot in this exact way, or the framing's off. You have to look here, even though the person you're acting with is actually over there, but it doesn't work for the eye line. So you're looking at like a red X over here. It's like it's all technical. It's like this notion of like I completely become the character and I can, okay, it's like you can't. You have to look at a red X when you say the line. Like there's just right. no way you're that lost in the character. Yeah. I most on the whole thing.
0: I don't know. uh, No, I. But I have a hard time with the technical aspect of it, It, and most of the times when I'm doing a commercial or something, I just have to just. Those things aren't there. It's so hard. I mean, that's the thing. But you're aware of them because you have to. Yeah, that's weird. You have
1: to do them. Well, it's one of the. I mean, listen. I went to NYU for four years. They never covered it. And I don't understand why every acting class the first two times isn't like let's talk about let's talk about hitting a mark, let's talk about if I could teach an acting class tomorrow it'd be like let's talk about hitting a mark, let's talk about acting to an X, let's talk about uh, doing a scene. One of my biggest scenes in Crazy X I did to two PAs holding a camera holding mm-hmm. sides. One of my biggest and proudest scenes because the actors had to be somewhere else, and so it was two P. Literally me acting my guts out to that's a very good point point. and it's like and and they weren't even, and they were over here and i had to look over here it's like that's just what it is like yeah. you just acting
0: is technical you have to be really technical so you, they were just filming from like over there yeah, so they were just, so just stand-ins or something
1: no they weren't even stand-ins they were you i was couldn't see them filming, at all you couldn't see them at all
0: okay and they were reading sides to you and giving you nothing giving nothing <laughs> have you ever read with somebody though and they they're like they're the person reading the sides opposite you but they're giving too much have you ever had that i have i mean i listen
1: i've had a lot of i've had every audition nightmare you can imagine uh, it's, <laughs> uh yes what's, i've definitely had some
0: what's the worst audition s- you've had oh
1: man commercials tend to be the worst okay commercials tend to be like incredibly debilitating Uh, because they're so quick and they can be so like specifically sad sometimes. (laughs) So it's like, I remember I did one where it was like, (laughs) they were like, okay, you're an improv performer. You're going to ask for a suggestion. The suggestion is bacon sizzling. And then we want you to just get on the floor and be bacon sizzling. (laughs) (laughs) And I did it. And I just walked out the room and I was like, This is, this, that was, it's just humiliating. I've had, uh, I've gone in, I mean, I've had, I mean, I guess as I I say, I'm like, my auditions, I I know the stories are interesting. I've had weird things happen on sets to me. I've had weird, like, I've had a lot of, like, my uh, Hollywood career has had a lot of uh, misfires that some would say are unlucky and unheard of. And so, uh, (laughs) so I've had a lot of, like, ah, that's never happened before. <laughs> uh, I've been cut out of a lot of stuff. Been cut. Been Those cut. are the ones that hurt.
0: Those are the ones that. The
1: cuts are hurt. Well, it hurts. It hurts when you know you're being cut.
0: I see. I feel the opposite. If I don't, if I didn't know I got cut, and then I was like, "Hey, check it out," and then you just like, "Oh, damn it."
1: Oh, uh, I knew there was one show I did. I won't say the name, but I remember reading the script and being like, "I'd cut this scene." Yep. If, if they're a minute over, they're going to cut this scene. This has no impact on the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. And it was a great scene. I remember doing it. I thought I did a really good job that day. But I remember walking off that set being like, they're going to cut it.
0: Here's the thing, though. With uh, with streaming now, sometimes you'll watch a show that you've seen 50 times. Like, sometimes I'll be watching an episode of Seinfeld I've seen 50 times. And all of a sudden, there's this new minute in there that they had to wow. cut for time. Maybe you're going to show up in the streams. You
1: never know, I'll tell you this. I did an I did an episode of the Joel McHale show. Uh-huh. And I was supposed to be a very small role. And uh, there was a it was basically like this like fake bachelor show mm-hmm. and it was a there was a producer and then there was a lawyer. And I was the lawyer, but the producer was kind of the main character and he was supposed to be like messy, like moving them around and then I was just supposed to be this lawyer like off to the side. Mm-hmm. But I improvised some stuff and just kind of did my thing and the way they edited it they like flipped me and the producer. So I sort of felt like the main person. Okay. And it was the weirdest thing to watch something air and be like, Oh, I'm in way more of this than I thought I was going to be. This is <laughs> so much more me than I thought it was going to be. I would have what told people. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was going to be in, I was, I was like, I, I mean, they used every second of footage they had on me. And I was like, I, I was like, I was like, I don't think there's anything I didn't do. What a <laughs> like, great surprise. It was the best. It was so surprising. It's one of the very rare like things of like, wow. Yeah. They kept. I mean, even like, oh, I've had, and for the record, I've had some of those too. The Crazy X live show at the end, I had like a little song. I was like, there's no chance this thing makes it through. There's no chance in hell they don't cut this thing.
0: Made it through. It was a live episode of the sit down. We did
1: a yeah. The show ended with like a live performance where we did a bunch of the songs from the show in front of the crowd.
0: Was that um, nerve-wracking or not because you do stand-up? Different. It's a different – because I had to sing. Okay. I'm not a good singer. You're not a singer? I'm not I a good singer. assumed all
1: actors were pretty decent. I'm not a good singer, I said. Uh, can I carry are you a just, tune?
0: Are you just saying that because you've been around the best, and so it's weird Maybe. to like even I think
1: you- I was more – yes, I think I was more confident prior to being on the show. I would say that being around – like. Donalyn and a couple of these very talented people, I definitely Uh was like, oh, these are singers. Like these (laughs) are, you know, like these people are, you know, Skylar, where you're just like, like my song followed Skylar. And he's one of the most talented, individually talented humans I've ever met in my entire life. He would sing this song in a way where I was like, he, he would sing it. And I just would be like, there's just no way. There's no way to articulate to somebody watching this later that this is this is unedited right this isn't sweetened this isn't made better he is singing every note perfectly just perfect he has the perfect voice and he doesn't miss a note and he's and he's moving and he's consistent and then to be back there and be like and now i kind of know my notes you know i'm gonna kind of do it but but then the acting thing, something where I knew how to sell, I had a setup to myself, I came out, I had a little setup and then I did my little song and I was like, I could sell the shit out of the setup way okay. better than most, way better than, than a lot of them. I was able you know, I took the mic out of the stand. Like, Hang on a second. I got something. I got a, you know, like I know how to do that.
0: All of a sudden you're on that, uh, Jimmy Fallon segment where they're lip syncing or whatever.
1: Uh, I was so confident, but then the second the song started, I would be like,
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Shaking. singing's a different beast.
1: It is, it's scary. And then when I went on tour with Rachel, we, I had to sing with her, too, on stage. Just me and her. She's one of the most talented singers on the planet. Who is it? Terrifying. Rachel Bloom, the okay. creator of the show. Gotcha. I toured with her, I opened for her and, she, uh, and I would sing with her on, during her like live show, and it was. Whew. Your boy would be sweating. I would do tw- like 15, 20 minutes out of the gates of the show.
0: Nothing. No fear. <laughs> I did a show uh, with, uh, we were touring with a couple of bands, and it was like, uh, who who was it? It was, um, uh, why can't I think of the name? Who sings, uh, well, it was Marshall Tucker Band. It was, uh, he died. Eddie Money. Eddie Money. Oh, wow. And the comics sure. were getting to go up and sing a little bit of it, and I wanted so badly to go up and sing one, and the whole time I, like, Every show we did with them, I just like balked. I was like, I'm not going to go out there. I hear
1: you. I mean, it's scary. Yeah, I, no, can I, just, I can sing.
0: I can sing, but s- I just, I had already done my stand-up at that point. I had already come off yeah. stage. And I, I, at that point, I was like, let, let them leave with that image.
1: It, it's just like, it was just so funny to be like, to be like so confident. Yeah, it's like the stand-up part, zero fear. Yeah. But the second you throw in that little wrinkle. So yeah, when I did that thing at the live show, it was just like, The part before it, so confident. I really was like, I this is so uniquely what I'm qualified for.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? To 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 do a bit with a microphone. With a microphone. Mm -hmm. A thing I just put it in my left hand, can't you know, just sits here. I know, yep, I know how to do this. I know how to I'll wait for the laughs. I know exactly how to play this crowd. And then the second that music, I'd hear the, da, 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 that's how the song started. I'd be like, and I'd be like, and it would a count in. I like had to count myself in. I'd be like, no clue, no clue what I'm doing. But yeah, you I also to count was, yourself in. Yeah, they would go, da, da, and I had to go in my head. I go one, two, three,
0: yeah. <laughs> like and my head, just panic. All right, so we, we just have a few minutes left, and then uh, I'm gonna let you go. But. Um, I assume with uh, the acting thing is that that that's your love or has stand up taken over it or is it 50/50 I think but I got to tell you I have never I I consider both my loves. Okay. I,
1: I consider stand up equal to if not more but the truth is is there's no reason to choose between the two. Writing sure. is to to write a show is to choose to not do stand up for a while. Right it's just like the fact of the matter if you're gonna if you're gonna write it write on a show or write your own show anything writing
0: long hours stuck long in our-
1: hours you can't do stand-up i can act and do stand-up for the rest of my life and never have to choose between the two
0: from what i can tell that's nice so that's nice. I, i've
1: and- i've never felt a need to have to
0: choose okay were your parents always supportive of it since I, I no. like no 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 of course not <laughs> you went to nyu um, for acting they didn't see the writing on the wall Oh, but
1: buddy, I had to get a double major.
0: And the other side is political science. Political science, which leads to if everything else falls apart. They
1: just said that. Yep, they just were like, they were like, you cannot be a theater major. And I was like, well, what if I got a second major?
0: But and what were you were like, gonna okay. do with that?
1: Oh, I don't know. They just wanted us. They just wanted a real major. So I got them a real major. <laughs> I literally went into the guy. I literally went into the guidance, like guidance office first week. And they were like I was like I want a double major and they were like in what and I was like you tell me literally what is the easiest thing to to what has the most transferable credits Yeah and it was like political science and like language and like one other thing and I was like and I like I was just like I kind of find politics interesting Sure Sure
0: and I that's what that I did That helps though with your stand up especially writing kind of the way you do
1: it does a little bit. I'll tell you what it does even more, honestly, is that it helps. It's a nice little uh, little little card to pull out of my back pocket if I need it. Okay. Because the truth is, is like, uh, no, I'll tell you where it helps a lot. It helps with me understanding studies. I can read a study, mm-hmm. which helps a lot with particularly like the news, the way it is right now, where you really have to like <laughs> I just, figure out what's real.
0: I just got myself in trouble today. I you know, everybody these last few days was posting that one lady that was talking about uh, hydrochloroquine or whatever it was. Sure. And people yep, were yep, posting, yep. they're like, look at her. And then they're like, actually, she's a witch doctor or whatever it was. She believes demons come in and have sex with you. And that's how you get Yeah, a- yeah, yeah, Alien DNA. Uh, <laughs> alien semen. <laughs> so people were having to walk back that. Luckily, I didn't step in it that bad, but there was yeah. uh, there was a, um, a newsweek opinion piece written by a yale professor of epidemiology and i like did a little bit and he's like saying hey this can help if caught early like do it like and he's here are the studies that show that and i kind of like i posted that on facebook like hey this seems like maybe it's decent news and everyone's like it's not good news you're perpetuating lies you're a piece of shit Uh i'm like oh god (laughs) and then yeah looked and one lady posted something she's like actually it's been debunked or what and i just finally took it down i was like i can't i don't know what's real anymore so no, it's need,
1: really hard oh I need I, you I, to tell me oh it's fair i don't i do to, i listen i studied it i know how to read a study and when i tell you that i'm like even with hydro because like with that medicine to me it seems like there is no conclusive evidence that it helps you know it, it there's no clear evidence but it has helped some people So there is some evidence works. It doesn't seem to be across the board. It certainly doesn't seem, but I've also entered a place of like, I, I I, look, you want to take it, go ahead and take it. Like, I I don't care anymore. Like it, if the, this is, this is a joke I'm working on right now, but basically like nobody listens to doctors and we haven't for a while. Right, and yeah. it's very funny with this whole mask situation. People being like, "Why aren't people listening to doctors?" And I was like, "Nobody's been listening to them. Nobody's this has been for de- this is a this is a decade old issue. Have you guys been eating well for the past decade?
0: Pregnant yeah. women wouldn't go in with a birth plan if they were going to yeah, listen yeah. to their
1: doctor. Yeah, people. Nobody, nobody listens to doctors for a decade now. We have not been listening. We don't <laughs> eat the way they say. We don't exercise. Nothing. And all of a sudden, people are like, "But they're saying it's like, yeah, we don't do that. We don't. Doctors are saying Web like since
0: you, you know, I figured some yeah. things out, doc.'"
1: pretty sure oh, doctors how often have doctors past decade been like stop eating chocolate and we're all like shut up like you're just like don't listen actually so,
0: chocolate's good for you and the then antioxidants. And, I,
1: and i'll also say this for the record This this now i'm getting to like the bit but this is what i do when i do jokes where i rant so it's like mm-hmm. now i'm just naturally in this rant for the record you know doctors got in with pharma and they started prescribing these things that were really dangerous mm-hmm. and people got addicted through you know I say in the joke, people. Someone, you go with a sprained ankle, you leave with a heroin addiction. It's like I've, I've lost friends to like these medicines that were, they were prescribed that they couldn't get off of. Yeah, And so that led to even me, somebody who does believe in doctors. When I got hurt two years ago, I hurt myself being like, what are you giving me? Like doctors like I'm giving you. I was like, do not get – you know, like I was basically yelling at my doctor being like, do not give me something that's going to become addictive.
0: was <laughs> this, Tylenol with two L's? Yeah, do? yeah. It's like, no, you know,
1: like they give you something like, you know, Vicodin or something. And it's like, dude, that can that can be really hard to break. Yeah, you know, really hard addiction. So that also led to this distrust in doctors. Yeah. All of this is to say, I know how to read a study, and uh, and uh, it's important. So that's what I learned there.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you, you've got that. Is there? Okay, these are the last two things I'm going to ask you. Go, uh, go, go. One is. Uh, what is the best advice you could give anybody? Like, what have you had anybody give you, like, great advice? And it could per- pertain to anything that you just say, like, that's one thing that everybody should know. Eyes on your own paper is a great phrase. Sure. That I think yeah. is very important. I never would have made it through college had I taken that advice.
1: Sure. <laughs> but for life, I think in particular, eyes on your own paper. Don't worry about how other people are doing. And then the other... Uh, uh the one i say a lot when i cuz i talk to to like young kids i talk to kids a lot uh about like you know this industry and kind of like and the biggest thing i say is like you know this industry is very tough and it's very unfair and this is true of every every industry it's not fair the world isn't fair sure you are you know i i, I don't have a lot of connections some people have and it's very tough and people catch breaks and whatever but the biggest thing is When your friends get success, be genuinely rooting for them Mm -hmm. and don't become bitter because if you cannot become bitter uh, and you can really root for your friends, your friends will root for you and they will help you get to where you need to get to. I would say most of my career has come from like rooting for a friend and them helping me out.
0: Yeah, that's great advice.
1: Genuinely root for your friends.
0: Yeah. Awesome.
1: And it takes practice. It takes practice. It's hard. It's hard. I struggled with it early. Like it's hard not to eyes on your own page, you know, just be like, they got this and I, I like, I was on that same showcase and they get signed. I don't get signed. it's bullshit. Right. And like, if you can just duck that, it's a, uh, it's great.
0: Well, that leads really me helped. right into my last question, which is just uh, if you could give somebody who you think deserves a plug right now, somebody that you think deserves a shout out that maybe is a recognition. Who who is that and what let's put them out there right now?
1: There's so many people who I think are so talented. I mean, Sam J, I don't think she needs it, but for what it's worth, she's about to have a special on Netflix and she's one of the funniest like comics. And I do think that like Right now there's so much content on there. I hope people give her special a chance and don't just go, Oh, another comedy special. Sam J is like a truly a special talent, uh, in this field. Hannah Einbinder is somebody nobody knows, but you will in two years. Um, uh, you will, she'll just be massive. I mean, she's, she's just so clearly so talented. Um, Alex Edelman just released an album that I think is really special. Um, Okay. God, there's so many. It's so many. I mean, it's like it's so. It's like well, I'm, those, I feel that's bad. That's a good
0: list. That's a good list for people to look. Was the, that good? Was that good? Yes. Th- that's great. And Sam J. Ne- Netflix special coming out soon.
1: Sam J. Netflix special, if not out yet, coming out very soon. And you know, I know there's a lot of them, but everybody give it a chance.
0: And Danny, you you mentioned you got a special that uh, is coming out soon.
1: Yeah, we don't know when, but it's uh, it's filmed. It's ready. It's uh, we're we're working out the. Uh, f- find okay. details.
0: All right. So <laughs> yeah. if, if people follow you on Twitter or Instagram, you'll be just follow you know, me. Uh, yeah.
1: Just, just Oh, I, I will be an absolute pain in the patoot. The second that thing comes out, I'm going to, <laughs> I've, I've told everyone, I said, I'm calling in every favor I got for that well, special. You, I,
0: dude, everybody needs to check it out when it comes out and, and find some of your stand up online uh, while you wait for that. Because
1: yeah, there, there was a, a there was a fan. period. Oh, I appreciate it, buddy. I, I, there was a period, uh, Right before all this, I was releasing a clip once a week on Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram, there's a lot of uh, IGTV stand-up clips. Is it just Danny Jollis? At Danny Jollis.
0: All right. Cool, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Buddy, thank you for having me. What a delight. (laughs) I'll talk to you later.